let's open up our Bibles today to Galatians chapter 4. As today we um, we're going to do a Christmas message, um, and we'll do another one on Sunday, and then next Thursday will be, I guess, our official Christmas service uh, prior to Christmas being on Saturday. Um, and it's been a blessing. I hope that you guys have been able to stay focused and uh, just draw near to God during this time. A lot of these things we've heard before, but it's, I think, healthy for us to reflect on these truths that God sent his son because of the condition and the hopelessness that we had. And he invaded our life in order to save our life. Like Adrian Rogers said, God came to earth so we can go to heaven, huh? That God was born as a son of man so we can be, be born again. And uh, that's what it's all about. And I think that the deeper that truth penetrates us, I think that attitude of gratitude allows us to go out and to live life. You know, and I don't know if I'm just a late bloomer. I, I still have so much uh, to learn. I have so much growth that needs to take place in my life. But it seems like one of the things the Lord's really been just pushing on my heart is just to really, really, really make sure that this is not just a religion. Uh, to really make sure that it's not a superficial thing that we're doing, you guys. Um, to just guard our hearts, to flee that. You know, um, one of the things that I think we need to do as Christians is we need to pray and we need to read our Bibles. That is so important. You're, you're not going to go anywhere unless you cultivate a quality, intimate, personal, quiet time with God. So vital for us. But, man, it just can't end there. We can't ever come to a place in our Christianity where we think that, you know, well, I spent time with the Lord, therefore, you know, I've chalked up some brownie points with God or I'm in, you know, good standing with God. You guys, unless it spills over into our life, and unless we are transformed into creatures of love, all that religious stuff, it makes God nauseous. It makes him even more angry. If you're going to church and you're doing all this religious stuff and you're not living the life, it, it makes God even more angry. That's why uh, we're in our uh, daily readings and it's kind of cool. Some of you guys have been going through the Bible you know, for a year. Isn't it cool? We're almost done again this year. And, but man, going through the prophets and going through the minor prophets and seeing the way that God had to discipline his children who knew better because they were just religious had that one foot in, one foot out, it was just crazy. It strikes fear into my heart. And so, yes, spend time with the Lord. Make sure it's intimate. Make sure it's personal. And yes, you know, read your Bible and please, you know, continue to come and to grow. But yeah, make sure that it's not just a religion, that it's a relationship, that it's a life of love for everyone that brings that God brings into our, our path. Because I've been running into more and more people who, um, who, uh, and again, you don't know, you know, you don't know if it's true or not, but you know, who are who are calling Christians hypocrites, and you know, sometimes those people they're just kind of using that as an excuse and everything. But I think a lot of times Christians are hypocrites, and that's why we have to be so careful, you guys. We don't want to turn people off. We don't want to turn people away from the Lord. We don't we know, want to be the cause 
of someone stumbling because we went to church and we had the bumper sticker and we had the t-shirt. We had all the Christian paraphernalia, but we never really loved like the Lord. We never really lived that life of care and reaching out for those who are hurting, for the downtrodden. And so, you know, I just really want to encourage you guys. Let's have, let's have both. Let's have the quiet time. Let's have the prayer time. Let's have the Bible studies. Let's get into the Word. Let's do all those things. Let's lift up our hands. Let's sing to God from our hearts. But let's also make sure that we, we live the life. As we walk under the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, he, he allows us to do that, you guys. And so, you know, that's kind of what uh, God came to accomplish, man. He came to save us and to make us like himself so that we can go out into the world and be ambassadors, you know, because there's so many hurting people and all they need is someone who's real. God will use someone who's real to reach them. And here in Galatians, it's kind of a, a different, I guess, Christmas text, but you know, nonetheless, it's definitely, uh, I think, applicable to us. Because look what we read here in Galatians chapter 4. It says here in verse 3, it says, Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. You know, right now I was back there uh, just singing to the Lord and just kind of, you know, joining with you guys in uh, just worship. And I heard one of the, the kids uh, uh, call to her dad, Daddy. And it was, it was so beautiful, man. I'm like, man, that's our text today, you know. Right there it says in verse 6 that God has made us sons. He sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts so that we can cry out, Abba, Father. And in the Aramaic, that means, that means Daddy. You know that here we see we were where we were. We're going to see three things today. Where we were, what God has done, and now who we are. And, and we see, first of all, where we were. It's there in verse 3. Again, notice what it says. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. You see, Christmas is about, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ stepping off his throne and coming down to planet Earth because there was a big problem. And the problem was that we were doomed. We were heading for hell without any hope whatsoever. Here we see the condition that we were in. It says again in verse 3 that, first of all, we were children. Now, the context here is not a positive light. You know, a lot of times when you read the Bible, it speaks of us being children of God. You know, it speaks of it in a positive light. But here, really what it's saying is that we were immature. That we were immature and that we were trapped in that immaturity. That's where we were. You know, it's one thing when you see a three-year-old act like a three-year-old. I mean, that's what three-year-olds do, or four-year-olds, or six-year-olds, or, or nine-year-olds. But what happens when you get an adult acting like a kid? 
And a lot of times what ends up happening is these parents or these adults are, are childish and it's a really ugly thing. You know, so you look at them and you see some of these adults and you're like, man, why don't you grow up? Well, the problem for us is that we couldn't. We were children and we were trapped in our maturity. And worse than that, it says here in verse 3, even so we, when we were children, it says we're in bondage under the elements of the world. We're children, immature. The Greek word is an infant, a minor, not of age, childish, untaught, unskilled, trapped in that childishness. And we were slaves. Speaks about being in bondage. The word right here means to make a slave, to reduce to bondage. And in looking at the context of Galatians, what he's speaking about is that we were here under the law of Moses. We were there in, it says, the elements of the world. The, the word for element is the Greek word stoikion, and it means any first thing from which others belonging to a series of composites or whole take their rise. It's a first principle. It's like the letters of the element um, from which all other things come. And, and that's where we were. We were children. We were slaves. We were in bondage to the ABCs. And we could go nowhere except hell. We were there. And Ephesians talks about us going you know, according to the course of this world. We were just following the flow of this world. Uh, right here, the word cosmos speaks of the ungodly multitude, the whole mass of men alienated from God, and therefore hostile to the cause of Christ. It speaks of the world's endowments, riches, uh, pleasures, which although hollow and frail and fleeting, they stir desire, seduce us from God, and their obstacles to the cause of Christ. You and I were there. We were children, immature, trapped in our maturity. We were slaves. We were prisoners. We had no hope at all. That, that's what Paul says to the Galatians. You see, the book of Galatians, it emphasizes the fact that the Mosaic law cannot save from sin. It points to sin and it says, hey, that's sin, that's sin, that's sin. And that's a hard place to be when, you know, all you're doing is getting identified as a sinner, but it had no power to help us overcome sin. The Galatians we see here, and even the whole world prior to Christ, was under the law. And that's the Mosaic law. That's even the law that was written on their heart. They were under this weight that was crushing them, that was pushing them to hell, and they could not get out. And that was all of us. That's where we were. And I think a lot of times, you know, today we don't live the life, and we don't have the passion for missions or whatever it is, because we've forgotten where we were. And that's why it's cool at Christmas time to kind of look back and to say, well, you know, this is what God has done. This is why we're singing. This is why it's such a beautiful time of year because we're remembering that God came. Look where we were. We were children. We were in bondage. It says right here, under the elements of the world. Really, when you look at it right here, um, it's, you know, religion. It's what we were ruined in the rut of religion. At best. And I know that for, for all of us here, you know, we all come from different backgrounds. I know 
for myself, I came from a Catholic background, and I, you know, I did all the Catholic stuff, you know. Any of you here make your first Holy Communion growing up? That's when they said you were born again. I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, I just would live my life. I did my own thing. I was baptized. I went to First Holy Communion. I went to parochial school. It was a religion. It was a rut. It was really my ruin. And, you know, you all have different religions. Today I was talking to a guy. He used to be a worship leader. Now he doesn't even walk with the Lord. Why? Because all he had was a religion. He's saying, listen, you know, what I see in the church, and, you know, we're just kind of going back and forth on this whole thing. All I'm saying is this, man, that we have to make sure that we understand where we came from in order that we can go forward in our relationship with the Lord. Make sure that it's not just religion. That's where we were. That's where we were in bondage there under the elements, the ABCs, the basic principles of the world. It's a, you know, this legalistic, you know, thing where it says God loves me based on my performance. It's this legalistic burden, the laws of Moses and even the laws of conscience that say this is the way you get to heaven. And it'll never happen. You'll be crushed under that type of weight. You see, that's where we were But then we see next, but look at what God has done. It says in verse 4, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. And the book of Romans says that the whole world is guilty. Why? Because they're under the law. The whole world, that's where they were. That's who we were. But God, seeing our situation, it says, when the fullness of the time had come, he sent forth his son. You know, and when you read the Bible, the Bible talks about how God would send, you know, others. You know, God would send the prophets and God would send these amazing men. Imagine what it must have been like, man, hanging out with someone like Elijah. You know, I can't wait to get to heaven and to talk to Elijah. He, he was a crazy guy, you know, or... Or some of these prophets, you know, Elisha, he did twice as many miracles. Or you look at the different prophets, even, you know, someone like John the Baptist. You know, David was a prophet. Moses was a prophet. Enoch was a prophet. I mean, from the very beginning, God sent, you know, prophet after prophet after prophet. Until finally, one day, God said, in one sense, it's not enough. What I need to do is I need to send my son. And when the fullness of the time had come, and what that means is that everything came together, that this was the day that God circled on his calendar, that all the you know, streets, so to speak, intersected for this time, the perfect time, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. The expression fullness of time it refers to that time when the world was providentially ready for the birth of the Savior. You know, for us here, we, this is one of the things I think we struggle with is the timing of God, huh? We're like, God, you're late. <laughs> uh, you know, God, you know, what's going on here? You know, this should have happened by now. I should be married by now or whatever it is that you're thinking about in your life. I should be at this place in ministry or whatever. You know, a, week, a lot of times we don't agree with the timing of God. But see, it has to be the fullness of the time. Remember that. It's got to be the fullness of the time. It's got to be the right time because otherwise it won't work. 
And when the fullness of the time had come, that means that things were lined up in the Jewish world, in the Grecian world, in the Roman world, in the entire world, when everything was lined up. You know, Daniel chapter 9 had prophesied, you know, certain things. Then God sent forth his son. You know, I've shared with you guys before that it's just, you know, you see God's wisdom, spiritually speaking. The world kind of had tried all the philosophies of the Greeks, you know. They had, you know, tried all the wisdom of the world and it left them empty. You know, the world had tried the religions, even Judaism, so to speak. You know, and apart from a true faith in the Lord, it left them empty. Spiritually speaking, you know, things had been set up. They were empty in philosophy. They were empty in religion. You know, one good thing the Jews did in their religion is they did tell the world the Savior was coming, and so they would go and they were dispersed. It's, you know, they were spread throughout the world. Again, part of God's providential plan. And wherever there were ten Jews, they would have a synagogue. And so they began to tell the Gentiles that one day the Messiah was coming. Just things had to be lined up for the fullness of the time. We see that spiritually. We see it practically. You know, there was uh, Pax Romana, that means the Roman peace. There were not only the Roman peace, but there was also the Roman roads. Remember that saying, all roads lead to Rome, because God had to set everything up. Not only that, there was the common language, the Grecian language. And so they could go out and they could share the gospel of Jesus Christ with an understanding tongue. Everything lined up. Now, some people wonder, well, when was Christ born? Some say December. Others say October. Maybe April. No, Christ was born in the fullness of the time. That's when he was born. And we see here what we were, that we were immature children trapped in that immaturity, that we were slaves being crushed by the law, being pressed into hell without any hope. That's who we were. But then we see what God did, that in the fullness of the time, God sent forth it says right here, his son. And, and that's what we celebrate for Christmas. I love Christmas. You know, I don't know. I know sometimes people struggle with this time of year and there's nothing you can do about that. You can't change the way you feel, man. But for some of us here, man, don't you just love this time of year? I'm so excited. I, I went and I got a banner. It's a four foot by five foot by four foot banner. I finally did something I've been wanting to do forever, man. And it's got a, 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 a it's kind of cool. The lady called me up today. She said, I wanted to let you know your banner's ready. And she's all, oh, uh, um, I called her back because she left the message. And, and she said, oh, is this the guy that has Jesus on his banner? I'm all, yeah, that's me, man. Because <laughs> it says, celebrate Jesus. And it has a major scene right here, the true reason for this season. And I'm going to sound for 200 bucks. No, I'm just joking. I don't <laughs> but um, I'm so excited about that, you know, because, man, we can put that out there. And, um, you know, last night was so cool. I got to stay home with the family and decorate the Christmas tree. And it's a tradition for us. And I'm weird about this, but, you know, the, all these cool ornaments over the years that we've accumulated. And I show Ariel, look, the baby's first Christmas. And she's, I'll put that in the back of the tree, you know. So Aaron, and then we've got all these cool, you know, ornaments. And Shelly's always making chopped chip cookies. And I'm always playing Stephen Chris Chapman music, Christian Christmas music. I mean, it's just so cool. I just, I just love this time of year, you know. 
But when you look at this and you see the reason, it's, it's got to be more than just the traditions. It's got to be more than just the giving and receiving of cards and gifts and being busy about plays and all this kind of stuff. That is for you and I. It's kind of like, you know, God doesn't mandate this. We know that there were feasts in the Old Testament that he mandated because we have the tendency to forget special occasions. But for us, it's a voluntary thing that what a special occasion I mean, if we celebrate your birthday, and I got to admit, I love birthdays. I was telling someone the other day, I like birthdays because it's kind of like our excuse to tell someone how, how much we appreciate them, you know, and how precious they are. And you give them a gift or, or whatever, you know. I mean, if we celebrate your birthday, doesn't it make sense to celebrate his and to do so with passion? Why? Because look where we were. We were children trapped in our immaturity. Um, We were slaves. We had no hope under the law. But God, he he sent forth his son. And when you look at that right there, there's so much that we could talk about. You know, we don't know the details of the mystery of this whole thing. But, you know, for a perfect father to send forth his perfect son... It's pretty amazing. You know, for an imperfect father to send forth an imperfect son, you know, some parents are like, yeah, leave, (laughs) you know. That's fine. I can't wait for the day, you know. Imperfect father, imperfect son, or or, or whatever, you know. Uh, But when you've got a perfect father with a perfect son, and the day says, you know, the day comes for for father to say, you got to go now. You know, I, I, I don't know how the father did that. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. Pray that the Lord comes back before my kids leave the house, man, because I really don't want them to, man. You know, we talk about this all the time. I say, you know, the, you know, the day might come where, you know, you and I, my, my voice trembles when I, when I say that, you know. But, I mean, for our, the empty nest, I mean, it's just a, a crazy thing. But, you know, now take that and just multiply it, you know, a gazillion times for the perfect father to send forth his perfect son and say, you got to go. I mean, there's just something there. And again, like I said, we don't know the mysteries behind that uh, the whole thing, but there's just something there. You know, you picture your kid and he goes off to college and, and you know, you turn around and you go back in the house. And it's like, what do you come back to? I know that we as, you know, human beings, we've got the Lord and, and, and things like that. But, man, how everything changes. And how the Father, he sent forth his Son. And I don't know what heaven was like after that. I, again, like I said, we don't know the mysteries of this whole thing. But, you know, when you stop and you reflect upon this reality, you know, it just, it just man, it's so amazing. You know, that he would send him from heaven to earth, from the cradle, you know, there. And then he would eventually go to the cross and just send your son away. I don't think it was a pretty day. I would imagine it would be one of the most difficult experiences a father could ever, ever have in his whole life. And there's the father, you know. He sends forth his son. It says right here that he sent forth his son and he would be born of a woman. You know, it's one thing to send forth your son. You know, hey, you got to go and you got to be there. But to wrap him in human flesh, I mean, to, to cover his glory, 
You know, to put him in a, in a body that who knows how big it is, relatively speaking. I mean, first Jesus, he filled the universe. I mean, he's infinite. He's immense. You know, he fills the universe. And, and now to wrap him in a little bitty body? But that's what he did. We know that when he was first conceived, he was the size of the period there on your piece of paper eventually grew to the size of a grain of rice. He was born probably about eight pounds, eventually. And when you think of Christmas along these lines, you think of where we were, and you think then of what God did, and how the infinite God now took on human flesh. Adrian Rogers talked about that, how he's God. It was not something that now he began his existence. No, he's always existed, but now he enters into this thing called time. What's time? I mean, what's time? It's weird when you think of the infinite now coming into time and bearing a body, covering his glory, willing to, you know, feel our pains, willing to go through the things that we go through in life, not just the cross, other things. Imagine what he went through. If the devil knew that was God, do you think that he gave him an easy time growing up? I don't think so. Imagine what it must have been like for Christ his whole life. I mean, for 400 years, God had been silent. Now the first sound we hear from God is a cry. A baby begins to cry. After 400 years of silence, and that right there is kind of symbolic of how God just entered our pain. You know, today I was talking with a, with a, a young lady, and her husband's way out there, and there she is just weeping, just crying. And for her, you know, wow, I tried to just, you know, encourage her and just, and just point her to this God who cries too. It was so symbolic of who the Lord is. The infinite God taking on human flesh. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In John chapter 1, verse 1, and then in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He tabernacled with us. One translation says he moved into the neighborhood. That's what Christmas is all about. How God came near. And it just blows me away, you guys. We see his humanity. We see his deity. For unto us a a son is given. For unto us a child is born. And it says right here that he was not only born of a woman. In verse 4 it says that he was born under the law. And so Jesus was the perfect Jewish boy, kosher to the core, <laughs> obedient to the law, but ultimately coming to do what? To fulfill the law. And as he would be under the law, as a result of this whole thing, we're going to see later that he would become a curse because he would be hung on a tree. It's all part of being under the law. And the Bible says, cursed is the one who hangs on a tree. And we see who we were and we see what God did. That he sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law that he might redeem those it says right there who were under 
the law. We see God sending. We see God saving. And you guys know what redemption is. It's, it's God buying us back. It's all. How we were his and then we decided to go our own way. All, legal, all we like sheep, we've, we've strayed. We go our own way. But he came back with the shepherd's staff, with the saving staff, and he, and he bought us back. You see, Paul told us who came. That's God's son. He told us when he came and how he came. Now he explains why he came, and that is to redeem us who were under the law. To redeem means to pay that price to recover from the power of another. It means to ransom. And you guys know how kidnapping works. You know, someone comes, they take your kid, they take you, the devil takes you, even though we're the ones ultimately responsible for that. And you know, when it comes to kidnapping, that's kind of the way it works. A lot of times those kids are neglected or you go stray or you go wander as a kid. Someone, you know, seizes that, takes advantage of that, and they take you to their place. And, and that's kind of how it worked. You know, we strayed, yes. We chose to sin, yes. But the devil took us captive. And he said, this is the ransom according to the law. And what did Jesus do? He's not like, you know, nowadays, well, we don't negotiate. (laughs) No, he paid the price. What did he do? He died on a cross. You see, Christmas is all about Christ coming to the cradle with the glisten in his eye, knowing that one day he would grow up and he would be nailed to the cross in order to bring us back to the Lord. Mark 10.45 says this is the whole reason for Jesus coming, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In case you're wondering how much you cost, 1 Peter 1.18 says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, and without spot. He was born to bleed for us. He was born to buy us back. You know, I was sharing with you about that, that worship leader that I was talking to today that isn't even walking with the Lord. He said, you know what? I don't believe anymore. I don't believe anymore. And now I'm living my life and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing, you know, and and I'm just like, man, how can you walk away from the love of God? I mean, Christianity, you know, it's, it's just amazing what this whole thing is. How God, our maker, has made a way to establish a relationship with him. And then what we end up doing is we go, go out and we live life in light of that. And we love the people that he made in his image. I mean, this whole life as a Christian, when lived properly, is so beautiful that God would send his son to die for us. Such love. Why would anyone walk away from that? Well, I think, you know... It happens when we when we just we begin to shut our eyes to simple truths like this. 
We begin to overcomplicate it. We begin, even like the Galatians, they, they started going backwards because their problem was they were getting under the law again and they began getting legalistic again. And when you get legalistic again and it becomes a performance-oriented relationship, man, it just it wears you down. It just wears you down. But when you realize this is the way that it works, that his blood is enough, it lifts you up. And this thing is so cool to be reminded that, you know, this is what God has done. You weren't redeemed with silver or gold. You weren't redeemed with the stars in space. You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish or spot. You know, sometimes I tell, you know, my Catholic friends or sometimes I tell individuals who believe that we're saved by works, what, you're trying to tell me the blood's not enough? The blood is enough. The blood is enough to wash away our sins. The other day we had a, a, someone graffiti our door and, you know, thank God they did it in lipstick, you know, so it wasn't too bad. But, um, you know... Anyways, they said some stuff. Anyways, what ended up happening was, you know, they, they tried cleaning it with, with cleansers and different things, and it wouldn't work. But I'll never forget, one day this lady came in, and she sold us this magical pink stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and the pink stuff, there's something in the pink stuff that was able to wash off the graffiti on our door. And and then that's kind of how it works for us, you guys. Your, your works, it's not going to wash away your sin. I don't care how good you are or, or whatever it is that you try, other religions and things like that, that, that won't wash away our sins. You can't atone for your sins. You can. You can try, but you're going to go crazy trying. Only the blood of Christ washes away my sins. And when you put your faith in Jesus... When you did that, do you remember you made that deal with the Lord? Do you remember you gave your life to Him? Do you remember you exercised faith in Him? You turned from your sins and you trust in Christ? Do you remember that? Then the blood covers you. The blood covers me. And it, you know, stimulates me. It motivates me to want to go and live a life that's worthy. You know, that's what the Lord has done. We see the sending. We see the saving. We see that he himself has redeemed us. Because this is what we were. We were adults acting like immature children and we couldn't get out of it. We were slaves under this penalty of sin, being crushed under the law, being pressed into hell. We had no hope. But that's what we were. But we see what God did is God sent his son. He sent forth his son. In the fullness of time, he sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem us, to take us away. We're no longer under the law, so this is what we now become. It says right here, it says in verse 5, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through 
Christ. You see, we see who we were, then we see what he did, and now we see who we are. Do you see, though, question, do you see who you are? Do you see that you are now God's adopted son? Now, we're adopted by regeneration, granted, but the reason that he calls us an adopted son is because, you know, the child, he doesn't have the rights of the adult standing uh, in adoption. That was the laws of the land, and that's the lesson we see in the scriptures here. You see, now we have this relationship with God. We have these rights with God, and we have the riches of God. We need to know who we are. We are adopted as sons. And that means that all the rights of an adult are rewarded to us as individuals. And that's who we are, you guys. You see, Christmas means no longer grit but grace, no longer law but love. It's not my work, it's his. It's not our performance, it's his propitiation. Who are we? Well, now we're no longer immature children. We can be grown up. We're not immature children unable to enjoy our inheritance, but we are now adopted sons and daughters. And just real quick, three things just to highlight right here. Number one, I think, is the relationship, huh? It's, you know, we're we're adopted sons. And the reason why he uses adopted sons is because that really gives to us our legal standing in the Lord. And it says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. What that is, is it emphasizes now our relationship with God. You know, sometimes my wife will kind of, you know, make fun of me. Not, I don't know if make fun of me is the right way, but she, she knows that the kids have, you know, a certain, I don't know, power over me. You know, and that's just kind of the way it is, you know. I mean, I wish I could say no, but, you know... My son or or my daughter, you know, when they come to me and I see a sincerity in them and I see, you know, just uh, in their eyes, Daddy, there's just something about that cry, that that call that that melts my heart. Imagine if they came to me and they said, Manuel or Manny. You know, I just would not like that, you know. (laughs) You know, or I, I know some, you know, have other, you know, terms of endearment for their parents and, you know, things like that. You know, but I like, you know, Papa. I like Daddy. And that's the type of relationship that we have with God. I I love to hear Brother Ray here pray, man. He comes to the Lord and he just, Papa. You know, and, and when you come to the Lord like that, I mean, do you realize, not necessarily the power you have, but do you realize the relationship that you have with God? See, we got to know who we are in Him. And now we can cry out. Uh, I was talking to someone today, and they're just going through so many crazy things. And, you know, just a million crazy things that they're going through. And, and really, the, the only hope that I can really give them of any substance is, is you're God's daughter. You are God's daughter. He's going to provide for you. He's going to take care of you. I mean, he still has beautiful plans for your life. I don't care what he's doing or what they're doing. You are God's daughter. See, first of all, we see who we are. We're children. That emphasizes our relationship. 
And then secondly, we have us as children, adopted children, that emphasizes our rights. You know, and I know a lot of times we as Christians we're like, well, we don't fight for our rights. True, you know, to a certain extent, here on earth we don't fight for our rights. But spiritually speaking, you better. We have certain rights that are given to us as Christians. For one of the uh, one of the things I think of is that we have um, the right to do right. I think that's one of the rights that we have. Or maybe I should put it this way, the might to do right. We have that now. As an adopted son, you can now enjoy the inheritance. And part of that inheritance right here, right now, is the power of God available to you. So you don't have to sin. Sin no longer has dominion over you. We have the rights now as adopted children. We have the right to come boldly before the throne of God. Think about that. I mean, none of us here has the right to go to the president's house, right? None of us here has the right to go to the governor's house here. None of us here even has the right to go to the mayor's house. I mean, this is the way it is, man. I tried sending the mayor an email. It got bounced back to me and said, I don't know who you are. It was kind of funny. (laughs) But we have the right to go to God. And we are... Here, as children with this relationship, we have, you know, as children, these rights, no longer legalistic, but you and I are free. We're free. We have the right to pray. You know, I think of Matthew 19, 14. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. You know? The disciples are, oh, no, you can't go to the Lord. You can't go to the Lord. You can't, hey, no, he's too busy right now. No, he's not. I'm his kid. I'm one of his children. I mean, we have rights. In looking at this, the relationship, the rights, and the riches. And I know they're kind of mingled together, but it says right there in verse 7, Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. You know, and if you think about it right now, I, I don't know who's on the list. You know, I think Bill Gates, a lot of times he's on the list of one of the most richest men in the world. And there's this guy from Mexico, I forgot his name, you know, that I think he's now the richest or one of the richest men in the world. And think if you, you were thinking like, wow, what if I was his heir? You'd be like, man, that's, that would be pretty cool, you know. And not that you'd want them to die or anything, but who knows, you might have thoughts like that or something, you know, because you want to be their heir, you are their heir, and you're thinking about all these things. But the thing that we got to, you know, just come to a realization of is that we are heirs of God through Christ. And last time I checked, He owns everything. Everything. And we're joint heirs with Christ. See, that's what Christmas is. This is who we were. We were adults, but we were trapped in this immature child, this you know, lifestyle. We were slaves under this, you know, penalty of this of, of the law. But God sent forth his son, born of a woman. It had to be that way. We saw that on Sunday. He died for us. He redeemed us so that we can now be adopted children with this relationship, with these rights and with these riches. And I know there are some of you here today who financially you're struggling. 
And, you know, for some of you, a lot of times you've got to be so careful because, you know, uh, financially you, you might be struggling and you might be thinking, you know, God doesn't love you. Or, you know, you might even be tempted not to walk with God with a passion or, or whatever those struggles might, you know, bring your way. But remember that if you're a Christian, you, you know, you're rich. I like what we read in Revelation 2, 8 and 9. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last who is dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty. I know your works, tribulation and poverty. But you are rich, Jesus said. Don't let anyone ever tell you that you're not. And you're like, okay, Manny, well, how come there's not a whole bunch of zeros on my checking account? I just don't get it. You said I'm rich. I don't see it. And, of course, we know that we're speaking of spiritual riches, right? Some of you here do have finances. You know, you've been good stewards. Usually that's what happens or... You know, whatever, you know, somehow these things kind of turned out the right way. And the beautiful thing that I see about many of you who have those, you know, physical, uh, you know, monetary financial riches is that I see a lot of times what you're doing with it. You are giving to God. And you are helping others. And it's beautiful. This is so beautiful because that's what riches were intended to be given for. First Timothy chapter 6, command those who are rich to be generous, to help others. That's what riches are for, to help other people. And spiritual riches are the same. We're all rich. And God wants us to help other people. And in doing so, you build them up and you bring God glory. See, we have this inheritance and right now as adopted sons, that means we can enjoy it now. Of course, one day we're going to be able to enjoy it fully, but we can still enjoy it now. And with these riches, with the riches that we've been given, we can exercise those gifts and we can do these things in order to bring God glory and to bring his people good. Romans 8, I'll just close with this verse right here. Romans 8, verse 15 through 17. It says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Daddy, right? Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And so the Christian life is a beautiful life. It's a wonderful life, but it's not a life apart from the sufferings that we will experience until one day when we're home. I can't wait to be there. But one day when we're home, there'll be no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more death. The whole thing about Christmas is Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Warren Wiersbe did a great study. You guys should have been here Sunday. It was awesome. (laughs) No, I'm going to get you guys a CD. He did a great study about just God with us.
That's really what Christmas is all about. And you may go through suffering and you may go through sorrows and there you are in your service and there you are in your struggles. Never forget God with us. Lord, we thank you for Christmas. Uh, We know it means celebration of Christ and we do celebrate you. We do thank you, Lord, for, for sending your Son we thank you, Jesus, for kind of like leaving your father in that sense and, and coming down uh, to save us. And Father, I pray your children here would just be encouraged tonight in our personal and intimate relationship with you, Father. And I fear you. I fear lest it become a religion, Lord. I fear lest we, you know, miss what you really want us to do, and that is to go out and, and to enjoy you, to live the life, to love others, to take care of the, the poor and the hurting, and Lord, to be the people that you want us to be. And so stir us up here, Lord, like never before. And Lord, I pray for everyone here that you just bless them. And Father, if there's anyone here who maybe doesn't know you or maybe they've drifted away, as they examine their life, as they really honestly look in their hearts. Father, show us where we are. And Father, if there's anyone here that needs to return, I pray that today, Lord, that would take place. And if you're here today, and just you guys, if you would, just keep praying, just in case, if there's anyone here today who needs to come back to the Lord or Or maybe for the first time, commit your life to Christ, to turn from your sins and to trust Jesus. If you want salvation, if you want forgiveness, if you want life, just in case, man, if you're here today, would you raise your hand if that's you? And we're going to pray for you. Thank you, Lord, for that hand that's gone out. Praise God. Anyone else? That's what it's all about, man. Anyone else? Don't be ashamed. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I thank you for those hands that have gone up. Lord, I pray um, that it would be sincere, that it would be real, that as you sit on the throne, you would speak life to them. Praise you so much, Lord. We honor you tonight. Be with us now as we sing, as we go our way, as we fellowship, Lord. Have your hand upon our hearts. Thank you so much for being our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.